Dark swords with candle art to sparks holes and sarge holes to crossroads and bandits are catacombs and giant doors. Protect the chest of swords and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron doors. It's a grand theft of blood scrolls. Simon's quest for Joe and Earl. Rock shoes to F crew. Keeps the exit gaming news. The police need some bad dudes to crash crew like Bandicoot. All shit and game in English. Control the sessions. Control Issues! Well, yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. That's a dash, which is a hyphen. Yeah. Twitch.tv slash Control Issues Pod is where you want to go if you want to check out any kind of gameplay videos from us from time to time. You can also hop on over to Twitter. My control issues is the handle and make sure you're going over to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for control issues, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. All good. Hell yeah. This is coming on recording on Super Bowl Sunday. We got our squares. By the time you might hear this, a dub and AMC might be a little bit richer. Our pockets might be a little fatter. Balling out. Balling out all out. I'm buying boats with Kevin Hart and Dwayne Wade. I, I might own a PlayStation 5 by the next time you talk to me because I just have that type of money. We just buy the dev kit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so um, A-Dub, what have you been playing? Me, recently, I got a hankering. For a little roguelike action, mm. had a hankering for a little, a little tactical, a little dungeon crawling, a little, a little loot collecting, a mm. little inventory management. Mm. So I popped on the Steam. I was looking through all the various offerings. At first, I wanted to get get something on computer. Then I was like, well, I don't want to take a chance on the the varying performance metrics. You know, I want to use my controller, even though I'm sure I can because I could just hook it up, but. I decided that I was going to look around, see all the offerings, see if anything was available on PS4 and go from there. I'd always had my eye on Darkest Dungeon, so I popped on that. I paid for the edition that had all of the DLC, which you can activate and deactivate for your campaigns. I thought that was a really cool quality of life element that they included there. And I also purchased Moonlighter because I'm a big fan of 11-bit studios. I have Frostpunk and Children of Morta both of which I've beaten, both of which I enjoy greatly. But once I damn, once I saw that they were working on that they were the team behind Moonlighter, I figured it was time to get that PlayStation has a sale going on for their digital titles. I got it for like 8 bucks. I got Darkest Dungeon for about 40 bucks. Decided to play a little Darkest Dungeon this morning. You can check out the stream on twitch.tv slash control issues pod. And I must say, I'm quite enjoying it. Of course, the art style is kicking ass. It's got tons of flavor, tons of options. It's Does it have an easy mode option? Oh, uh, yeah, it does. Okay. They have difficulty settings, and it does make the game a little less punishing. Like, on normal and on easy, you aren't hit with a time limit for moving through the dungeon. So, I'm playing on normal. Uh looking at this game reading about it knowing what people have said i understand that it's 
extremely punishing and having played just the tutorial as well as the first mission i've already lost two of my characters uh one of my characters has like almost 50 percent of her of her stress level up so she's freaking out it's like i can't go back in the dungeon i can't <laughs> so i gotta <laughs> keep bring, it together i gotta bring down her stress the way the game works <laughs> is that you assemble a party of four there are different classes that each character can be characters are generated at random they can be acquired at the at the wagon way back back in town after you come out from a dungeon and you assemble your party of four. I mean, you're finding items and relics and things in the dungeon that you can equip your players with in order to increase their stats, make them stronger. Then you go in. All your stuff is basically locked, and you got to make it through this dungeon. You you got to figure out how best to get there while managing their stress levels, while managing their position in the combat line so that their moves hit where they're supposed to, and you know to basically get the most out of your characters as they can uh you have to manage their equipment you gotta look for traps uh the big thing is the stress level though because if you don't keep a handle on the stress your characters will get afflictions things which affect them in severely negative manners like a one character i had got the abusive affliction and you know most of his turns he would just talk shit I don't know if he was talking to the characters or if he was talking to the enemy, but he would just talk trash. You couldn't move him. You couldn't you couldn't make any kind of decisions with him. He wouldn't attack. Sometimes you get that option, but it was very cumbersome and led to, you know, the continued spiral, which would claim his life as well as that of another character. From an immersion standpoint, do you ever feel the stress as they're feeling the stress? Like as you see that point total go up? As I see well, now, I, I'm just getting used to the user interface and understanding how, like, what I'm looking at, so I can keep my eye on all the the elements and the granule nature of the combat. But yeah, man, it, it does get stressful because it's like, okay, he's getting close. Once the the stress meter, once it gets up halfway, which is 100 out of the 200 stress points, you get an affliction, and then. When it fills up all the way, your character dies of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to manage that stress level. Sometimes you might have to leave a dungeon before it's even completed. But I was doing the first mission. It was my first foray into the fray. So I decided to keep pushing, even though I probably would have been better off if I just pulled everybody back and, you know, got the necessary services to make us feel better. And then we could go back in the dungeon on the second try, more knowledge, more experience, but I pushed ahead. I knew it was dicey too, and lost two guys. Mm. So, you know, that's just the way that goes. You get back to town, you go to the wagon, you recruit some more characters, you make sure you bring the right supplies into the dungeon so that you can overcome any of the the obstacles or the tricks that it's going to try to throw at you. You, it, you might encounter trap, uh, chests that like are cursed or have traps inside of them. You could cleanse the items within if you have the right items. You might run into areas where your pathway is blocked by piles of just rubbish. And if you have a shovel, you can get rid of that. Uh, you have to worry about the light level because once it gets dark, your characters start to accumulate more stress more rapidly so you could bring in torches and change the light level however i've noticed that i just got a character recently where she actually works better in the dark 
So when it gets dark or below a certain torch level, she gets all kinds of buffs that allow her to be more effective in combat. So, you know, it's going to take a lot of learning. You have to consider what order your characters are in. You have to consider the area or the the slots on the enemy side that their attacks can hit, which can be altered by where their position is in your line. Their effectiveness is determined if you put them in the proper place in line. And, you know, this is all explained to you very beautifully in the game. It's, yeah, man, they got all kinds of tool tips and stuff. So far, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to playing some more, digging deeper in the dungeon, unlocking more of of the manor, and improving all the various places. Of course, you it's a roguelike, so you can upgrade your camp, your your safe zone, and have better amenities, have better services, improve the shops, improve the amount of characters that you can pick from between dungeon runs. Overall, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Mm. But AMC, what have you been playing? Very little of anything. Uh played some <laughs> yeah. Played some of Octopath Traveler. Uh pretty much just closed out that first chapter the final character that i got and just in the town now but it was a busy a busy work week and theo's been sick so i've just been busy with all of that um when i found a little bit of time to play video games i downloaded a freemium dragon ball z puzzle fighter on my phone and played some of that how is that it is it is absolutely amazing what until, is it called it's called dragon ball z doken <laughs> <laughs> you know about that dog? You know about that hot dog? <laughs> yeah, and it's um, it's like the the usual puzzle fighter where you have the affinities with the different colors, and each affinity has um, a strength or a weakness to another color. Based on that, is how you want to line up the order of attack with your characters, and you want to hit those colors on the on the on the grid and by getting the biggest line you get get off the bigger attack so like you get like a if i get like four greens in a row that means i'm, I'm throwing out that special beam cannon fire from piccolo yes, yes you are <laughs> um so yeah right now it's just it's a fun puzzle fighter style of game i'm sure there'll be a point where i'll hit a a wall where there's not really a ton of unlocks and there's not a ton of progression unless i just start grinding grinding it out but as of right now it's just a fun game that i'm enjoying other than that also playing uh mario kart tour on my phone which is continuing to be the shit it's the uh valentine's day event so uh trying to get uh this this pink shy guy and um what is it uh, a cupid uh baby peach <laughs> 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 trying to set up you know baby peach and baby mario you know um so yeah uh just enjoying those games and hoping to get back into um some hardcore gaming once uh things kind of get a little more balanced in the uh, the home life situation but because of that let's just get right into the topics of the week top topics of, of the, the week. week uh you know let's just get started with the uh, facts and figures, the numbers, a dub. So you can uh, lead off this one and I'll hop on the next topic. Facts and figures. I guess we'll start with the pretty straightforward item. During E3's Q3 2020 financial call with investors, they revealed that Star Wars yeah. Jedi Fallen Order has significantly outperformed their expectations. Mm. So I think gamers deserve a round of applause, a pat on the back. The golf clap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for, for showing up at the register, there was a there was a lot of conflicted like 
people having conflicted feelings and you know, design. I don't know. I hate EA, but it's Star Wars. Man, it's single player, but it's open world. Uh, they're going to mess it up. There was a lot of doubts. There was a lot of apprehension as Star Wars Fallen Order was coming along, but it came out. It reviewed well. A dub played it. It was fantastic. One of my favorite experiences of 2019, and everybody else showed up at the register. So that's good. More likely that we'll be getting a sequel because of the success. I think it broke something like 10 million copies, which yeah. is about what I expected. It's Star Wars. Come on now. Yeah. So from what I saw, I think it's it's projected to get the 10 million. And the high end was um, – so basically the rough estimate was the, the high end uh, was around 6 to 8 mil- – So they were – For the ex- fiscal year. Yeah, yeah. They were projecting 6 to 8 million. They hit the high end, so it's – the estimation is that they're around eight million, and so now the projection has been pushed up to ten million, yes. which is pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> so, for a game, yeah, as you were saying that, it seemed like people were gonna kind of use as an opportunity to try to, you know, hurt EA and, and vote and vote with their wallets, but not in a way that people recommend, which is buy the good games and skip out on the bad games it's like no nah, i'm just not gonna buy anything now it doesn't work <laughs> if you punish them for the things they do right <laughs> and then expect them not to do the things that you don't like yeah <laughs> unbelievable so yeah it's awesome i mean what um i believe fallen order back to back was it november december was the second best-selling game on npd uh finished the sixth best-selling game of 2019 with just two months on the market damn so yeah i mean um amazing and then yeah now hitting around the 8 million heading towards the 10 million mark 2019 was a great year man respawn's best-selling game crazy. <laughs> one of the best star wars games ever made you need to go out and get yourself star wars jedi fallen order if you haven't already there should be no questions yeah there should be no doubts and you were just saying that they had, um, at least last week, you were saying that they released the uh, the pre-order content now to the general public. Yeah, get that orange lightsaber, <laughs> if that's what you want to do with yourself. Get that sun-kissed lightsaber. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I need to go back in that game and try to 100% those maps. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100 <laughs> Get that infinite 100%. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um anything else before we move to the next topic of the week top topic of, of the, the week. week so uh some more numbers this coming for the nintendo switch so this is fresh off of nintendo switch being the best-selling console of 2019 this is fresh off of the wii u's lifetime sales of 3.56 million units total <laughs> wow this is fresh off of nintendo should just go third party and, and stop stop making consoles <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a publisher yeah <laughs> um, yeah this being that the nintendo switch has now surpassed 50 million consoles sold damn so coming from gamesindustry.biz in total the switch has sold 52.48 million consoles which means it has eclipsed the super nintendo damn it sits behind the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Nintendo Wii as Nintendo's third most successful home games console so far. Top three. A-Dub's trying to get one if they just bring that price down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I imagine. So there was, uh, there was another story that um, they basically had confirmed that they won't be releasing a, uh, I guess, a Nintendo 
quote unquote pro in 2020. So yeah, it seems like the prices are going to stay where they're at, at least until that next iteration of the console comes out. But yeah, continuing with this, um, the uh, in sales, the the tracking slightly is is slightly ahead of the PlayStation Four and PS Two, although is currently lagging behind the Wii. Forbes. Uh, so this coming from Forbes now. Continuing, this is a little bit more on the speculation side of the news with the numbers. It's uh, usually what they do. Yeah. So this coming from Forbes, hitting that fifty million mark is significant. Is, is significant because for the first time, it seems entirely possible that the Nintendo Switch has actually outsold the Xbox One. Microsoft stopped reporting specific Xbox One sales a few years ago, but third-party estimates put the Xbox One at around 50 million units, with Sony's 100.2 million beating it by roughly a two-to-one margin. Despite People both said consoles, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. They said it wouldn't happen, and it very much did. It definitely happened. Despite both consoles launching at the same time. But in the case of the Nintendo Switch, the two consoles weren't even close to being released in the same window. The Xbox One was released in November 2013. The Nintendo Switch came out in March 2017. That's nearly a 3.5 year uh, late start for the Switch, yet it has equaled or passed the Xbox One all in all time sales. So Nintendo outsold Xbox in half the time. <laughs> in half the time, yeah. With a with a weaker console um people talk about how much they love all that indie shovelware trash (laughs) (laughs) exactly people they want to talk about how like it's all about performance and or not even performance just about the power of the console and about the flops yeah we need we need we need 1080 and only 1080 60 frames per second frames per second minimum (laughs) standard the game doesn't the games don't run the same when you take them out of the dock but it doesn't seem to matter people are getting behind this console it's selling well games like luigi's mansion are killing it right now so it's not even just the mario tier it's now the the mario brother tears mm-hmm. <laughs> are selling well uh anything that touches this console seems to be doing well and the people are showing up to buy this console which is a great sign moving forward because we're going to see definitely a dip i'm assuming once the uh playstation 5 and the xbox series x drop but as of right now they're capitalizing on the vacuum and selling as much as they can they just announced a uh, animal crossing console coming um i believe right before a week before animal crossing launches and it looks great it looks incredible the colors are great the the decal is awesome it blends right in yeah my legs are strong yes yeah so um yeah just more great news from the switch so let's just keep the ball rolling we into the, my friend pedro my friend pedro killing that too homie so let's move into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Um, this is just a quick uh, discussion, just because we watched the trailer. Um, a dub put me on game about the new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer. Oh boy! And it was like a, a solid three minutes of a trailer. So many cutscenes. So what did you think, a dub? I mean, it, it's just more of what I already know is going on. Like they're they're showing you the amount of work, the amount of detail that has gone into recreating some of the most memorable moments in Final Fantasy VII while modernizing it. It's expanding the game in other areas. They're showing us more content that we've come to know and love. I mean, we finally saw Red 13, which was huge. AMC almost wept. We finally saw the honeybee. 
Finally saw the honeybee in. We saw a cross-dressing cloud. We saw people not get angry so far as of yet. The people, there's, um, you know, anytime there's something that's possible that could, um, you know, get, get the wrong people upset or, or the right people upset, uh, it, it's always a thing that you have to look out for when it comes to controversy. And this was one of those things that, how are they going to handle this? Is it going to be something that's seen as dated and maybe a uh, head in the sand, but... Are they going to cut it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to cut it out. That's yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we went to the, the site that if there was going to be something wrong with it, they would have something to say. And Kotaku seemed to say, Cloud looked good in his in his outfit. Yeah, he was, was kind of cute. He kind of cute. <laughs> and then the anti-SJW people seemed to not care. So because, you know, it's just weeb trash. So what do they care about? Now, one thing that I really took away from this latest trailer that I wasn't paying attention to in some of the earlier media for the Final Fantasy VII remake is how much of an impact the voice acting is making. Because when you're playing Final Fantasy VII, it's all text-based. And for someone like Cloud, who has like a kind of aloof, like spacey kind of disposition, it's a little bit hard to get exactly what that amounts to in just text i mean especially when there's no facial expressions or anything like that it's a lot of body language so at this remake it's a full 3d model high res high definition high polygons and you can see his face you can you can hear the tonal changes in his voice as things are happening and it just makes everything as you can it's easier to read and understand what's going on on an emotional level and even more so on the body language level because you're seeing them interact in this is beautifully detailed manner like i'm i'm very excited for it i'm still tempted to try and wait for all the parts to come together into the hybrid whole the one game to rule them all (laughs) amc how'd you feel about the trailer Oh, I thought it was amazing. I haven't been this excited for cutscenes since I was when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out. Um, just seeing the complete story trailer, um, as you're saying, giving life to not only Cloud for me, just all the side characters, like characters that I kind of that kind of would have been just tossed away, like bosses or just yeah, corporate people that you came across during the as you're making your way towards Sephiroth. Even Shimrod. Um, yeah, like just seeing some of their dialogue just bringing those characters more to life so that if anything, I feel like I'm now more excited to play just this, I guess, encapsulated version or, or chapter of final fantasy remake. Um, just because it it seems like all the other characters are going to be so interesting as opposed to just wanting to learn more about Sephiroth. Um, so yeah, with that, um, seeing a little more of the gameplay and yeah, finally for me seeing, uh, red 13 and seeing how they were going to handle him. He has that, that that stoicism of Mufasa, mm-hmm. that that uh, <laughs> I was gonna say that victimization of of Kunta Kente. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what I really enjoyed most was finally seeing Tifa in more action. She was moving around on that battlefield like she got that one for all quirk. I'm so excited, and it seems like they're 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 letting they're letting the puppies out. So so the people who are upset about the whole sports bra gate, they can at least look at Tifa still and and get off and get their rocks off. <laughs> <laughs> censorship. What about my censorship? Yeah. Um, so everything about this trailer just 
I don't know, especially on the heels of the game uh, of the delay apocalypse 2.0, um, hearing that this game would be delayed, I, th- I believe, a month. Um, coming out with this trailer is just like, oh yeah, we completely forget about it. it and it, it does get back to the, just get this in my hands. Uh, and yeah, I'm... I was when it was first announced that they were going to delay it. I was like, yeah, I wasn't shaking because it's like, yeah, I don't even plan on playing it day one. But as I saw this trailer, it's like, fuck, I need to play this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm finally seeing them realize those high definition towns. Watching Cloud and Eris and Tifa moving through a town environment, it's just they said they they had trouble doing that with games like uh, Final Fantasy 15, and it seems like they may have figured out how to properly get that done. I I do want to see shops and how that whole interaction goes on, especially in like the weapons shop where they're gonna have weapons and armor all about strewn about the place. Is <laughs> there's so much possibility and potential with this remake, especially as they start making the the finishing parts of it so yeah i'm very excited to see one how it's going to be received critically two how people are going to react to it and three just see like seeing and hearing about that finished product in people's hands people who actually want to play it and not the people who just want to hate it (laughs) It it's kind of cool seeing like some like moves that we had seen as attacks in like uh in previous games seeing it play out in that in I guess in those trailers with like the chocobo rush and then even seeing, I, I believe it looked like a limit break was going on. Cause he was doing like, what looked like, like a, a seven slash on all the parts of the robot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just uh, slash. yeah. So seeing more of that, like the possibilities of what those limit breaks are going to look like. I mean, this game is, uh, it's, I want to say cinematic, but I feel like it's like even more than that. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I feel like the moment it's recapturing that cool factor that the original one had, where it was just like, there's something about this game of vibe, a tone that like just pulled in so many people and resonated with so many people when it initially released on the PlayStation. And it seems like they've figured out a way to bring that to now a modern day audience to still have that flair that's going to, gonna have people jumping all over it that was the console seller of like the playstation for me so yeah um that this game is gonna be out of out of of this world nobody's ready (laughs) um let's get into the next topic of the week next topic of the week hey dub you got some uh you got some ps plus news do i (laughs) no that's the question do i because (laughs) i can't find it right now (laughs) no but in keeping with the news that we like to deliver to y'all, keeping you informed about the content and the freebies coming your way. The PS Plus games for February have been announced. We're going to be getting Bioshock Collection. Mm. Yes, we're also going to be getting Sims 4 Mm. for anybody who might be interested in that. And then we're getting a bonus game, Firewall Zero Hour. What? Yes. I know nothing about Firewall Zero Hour. Know nothing about it. The few things that people have said, other than you know, oh, don't don't know, don't care. Other than that, people seem to people seem to have the impression that it's a pretty decent game. So you know, I'll check out some video. Maybe that might be something for me. However, Bioshock Collection is a pretty big deal. It's like a steal. It yeah. feels like. <laughs> yeah. Of course, three games. You're getting Bioshock One, Two, and Infinite. 
Uh, the games, I believe, have been remastered for current consoles, so mm-hmm. you're going to have better performance. You're going to have smoother visuals. Uh, I played the original Bioshock back on the 360. It was a surprisingly fantastic experience with it just so unique with its flair and its content like it just it really took that that Ayn Rand kind of kind of thing that whole corporatism of the the 50s and the 60s and just dialed it up a notch into its own entire universe it's outstanding plus with the with the plasmids as you guys know I don't really dive into gaming media too deeply i like to come in as cold as possible to a game so bioshock really surprised me once it got to the point of upgrading my weapons and getting plasmids and upgrading those as well like when i reached the point where i'm standing still and turning invisible as enemies rush into a room trying to fight me then they can't find me (laughs) then i blast them from the side with a shotgun it it's out of control. Bio, it, Bioshock has its implementation of, I believe it uses Havoc physics, but just the way that Ragdoll hits in that game and the way that enemies get bloodied and injured as you're fighting them, you know, freezing dudes, shattering them with your wrench, dudes crawling on the seat. Like it's, I don't want to go too into it. AMC hasn't experienced the splendor that is the Bioshock universe. So I'm looking forward to hearing his impressions. And I'm also looking forward to finally being able to go back, try to beat the original, as well as finally experiencing Infinite, which I skipped. Uh, And might even dive into Bioshock 2 while I'm at it. So I've heard good things about it. Looking forward to this collection. How do you feel about the PS Plus offerings for February? Yeah, I almost feel like it's fate for me, um, just because it's. I've always looked at Bioshock as a game of of a generation um, that I never played, and when I initially first when I first saw my first impressions of the first Bioshock, I believe like might have been you or Knees or somebody was playing it, giving me a taste of the first level and just that that incredible opening. And yeah, at the if you haven't listened to the show, you you will know that I am not into horror games, and that's what I had basically classified this game initially at my first uh, sight of it. And I never, I wasn't really into first person and all that stuff, all that jazz. And so yeah, when I first saw the when I first saw Bioshock, it completely just seemed like a game that wasn't for me. And I've continued to hear so much about it. And after playing Doom and Overwatch and other first person Destiny, other first person games, I kind of have a feel for those games now, and I I now have a taste for them. And and so it's been in the back of my mind, like, damn, do I need to go back and play Bioshock. They do have this collection. It's not that much. I could hop right in, play the first game, and have these other two just at my disposal if I decide to play them. And it always, whenever that came up and it was on a sale there'd always be another game was like yeah but i can also just play this game or there's like this is more modern and that game might be dated so why don't i just avoid it but now with them basically giving it to me and basically saying here you go like like a dub showing up with horizon being like just play the game here you go like um (laughs) which you still haven't yeah um you got a lot to work through i understand yeah but yeah so with playstation just basically saying like here you go play this game for free on us on the house give it give a taste i can finally um experience the greatness of this game and even kind of when people just talk about like ken levine and how great he is as a developer i don't really have 
have anything to go by and now with this game i can finally get a taste of why everybody's so excited and wants to see what he's going to be working on next um so yeah um there's so much writing behind this game so much history that i feel like this is now fate that like i gotta play this game because there's no avoiding it it, i could see where one might classify it as horror but it's more along the the psychological thriller kind of vibe i mean don't get me wrong it is dark and it is a, a very like just foreboding atmosphere but when you get in it like it's it's a mental thing it's not scary at all you'll enjoy it. yeah like and i played through last of us and thoroughly enjoyed that game and so i feel like this game wouldn't be nearly that <laughs> like um so yeah i i think now it's just a it's now that I have a, a taste for those first person style of games. I, I think I gotta uh, I gotta play this. Ever since Doom. Yes. Uh anything else for the next topic, eh, Doom? No. So let's get right into the final topic of the week. Final topic of the week. Hey Doug, we got some Overwatch news. Oh, do we? You got your man Jeff Kaplan mm. coming out with the, the video docuseries mm. like he does that that crisp clean delivery mm. that beaming personality so that we're getting honesty <laughs> so Overwatch getting an update they're trying to shake things up a little bit and they're doing that in a couple of ways one is with the experimentation cards mm. you remember what Jeff said about those I believe he said that those would be reflections of ideas that they have as developers of updates that will be coming that will come down the line so it's another way to get people who aren't necessarily in the public test realm to play out different i guess um changes to the to certain modes maybe even characters and based off of that the feedback from that they can then use that for future updates absolutely and they also noted that tweaks and changes will be coming out more frequently and it also opens up the possibility that some will be undone or removed but what they're trying to do is get into a habit of changing things more often rather than waiting for long intervals of time before things get shaken up and the biggest means by which they're going to be shaken up is the introduction of hero pools into the competitive mode so with that every what week or so i believe they said was the the period of time there will be a certain hero pool that some heroes won't be included within their goal here is to shake up the meta by you know making players have to play the game with the possibility that perhaps your favorite character isn't there selectable anymore or perhaps like a character that that teams and squads and competitive players have been leaning on heavily is no longer offering that shoulder. And this is strictly in competitive play. So you can, yeah. in you all can the still other modes, get your quick play casual going. Yeah. You can still practice with your mains, get, get your feel for them. But yeah, I mean the overall theme of this uh, developer update just seemed to be about attacking the meta aggressively. Um, he said that they'd received a ton of feedback and one of the feedbacks were, um, Overall, people thought that they should be more aggressive with their changes, with their updates, with their balancing, um, which is funny because you would think like, especially with like all the old stories of like back in the day when Call of Duty would make little tweaks to like certain guns, you'd hear about developers getting death threats. Why did they nerf my shotguns? Yeah. <laughs> I can't snipe with my shotgun anymore. I hate you. You ruined the game for me. Why can't I no scope? 
Yeah, and this coming from, I guess, from Blizzard, or mainly Overwatch developers, saying that their feedback was actually more of, we want to see more changes. And I guess overall philosophically i appreciate it just because you have a game that's this old i believe 2016 game we're now in 2020 so we're hitting that four-year mark and um how do you keep a game like that fresh and uh one way is by adding characters another way is by adding in new maps but an even more important way is by changing the way the game is approached from the 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 players and so with that it's attacking the meta and that's one of those things that you would hear about especially like in a competitive uh play uh in league especially is that there's a certain type of makeup for teams and it was heavy tank and with a uh, with a lot of support so there wasn't a lot of use for offensive players and so because of that they had been trying out different different uh balancing uh of characters to try to make like offensive types more useful then they got to the point where they then just started locking you into character types in competitive play where it's like if you're going to be a support character then if you want to switch characters you can only switch between support characters so it was then locking people into roles so now on top of that they're gonna yeah have these hero pools where they're gonna lock out certain characters and initially how i thought it was it was gonna be kind of similar to mobas where um i believe in league and in dota as you're selecting your characters you can it, it basically it's on a round basis and in between certain rounds you can then vote certain characters to be banned so that if you know yeah, you ain't using that one no more <laughs> exactly so i'm gonna lock that that dude out and now you can't handle that main um and so that would be a way of affecting i guess team makeups um, um, and with that, yeah, they don't want people uh, just falling into certain types of play, which then gets the game a little more stale, the gameplay more stale. So, up, uh, like, stepping up the overall quality of life of the gameplay experience. And so, yeah, I, I completely see where they're going with this. And, I mean, they said um, what's pretty cool is that Overwatch League is going to also implement their own hero pools, and they'll have a, a, a weekly blog along those lines. They said all this, too, is very experimental. So... Yeah, as Dub had mentioned, they're only going to be doing it on a weekly basis. When he talked about initially, he, he mentioned four characters, so it seems like that's going to be the ideas. Uh, it's going to be four four heroes that they'll lock out every time. Um, but he said that it's there's going to be adjustment, or there could be adjustments to it where it could be more frequently as as um, every couple of days to even down to every match. Uh, just certain players are locked out or a different set of players are locked out. Um, and so, yeah, they're going to play around with this. And I, I like it overall just because it is going to affect the certain types because people do fall into their characters. And you see certain things like if, if a character, say that somebody plays with, gets chosen then they might just end up quitting the match really quickly because <laughs> they don't want to play as, a, as, I don't know, as somebody else. And then it's a 5v6. Yeah, and... It, that's always been my thing is that you should want to have a higher range of um strengths when you're playing in these type of games and not just have your one dude and if you don't have that dude then you're upset it's like so contradictory to be like i want a ton of characters but i only want to play as one character <laughs> yeah if you're one of the people yelling at overwatch when it came out about how it had not enough characters yeah and then you just play one character you're kind of contradicting yourself and so overall from from your standpoint how do you feel about i guess like the developers kind of like um tooling around with their games and i guess like playing around with the overall narrative of the meta um from how they see as opposed to how the community sees um, i definitely think that it's absolutely necessary i mean they blizzard wants people playing the game 
in different ways, experimenting, trying to find new solutions, new matchups, just new counters, new ways to just circumvent all the existing strategies while the players are looking at the meta like this is what it is. This is how we play. This is who you play. And that that latter mindset isn't what the game is about. So I applaud the developer for taking more ownership over their game and going right at the core of the issue that is basically the source of any of the staleness that anybody's been feeling with Overwatch and just completely jostling that framework. And the the open dialogue that they have, that's um as like you allude and we joke around about is like Jeff Kaplan, he's very thorough when it comes to the direction of his development team and the the ideas that they have on how they expect the the overall pro- the trajectory of Overwatch moving forward as it as it goes into Overwatch Two, and so I you can get upset with it, but you can't get upset with the fact that like he that there is I guess a as it, once again um, head in the sand feel from the usual how people look at corporations and it's just like oh there's just a bunch of dudes in suits looking at numbers wanting to change things. counters yeah <laughs> they're just concerned with profit and shareholder value yeah but this is very developer driven and so you can't get upset with their overall philosophy with how they want the game to to look and, pl- and be played so yeah i i definitely uh, applaud them with every step and how they've handled this game well you know there's always the peanut gallery I applaud nothing. I'm gonna crack these shells and I'm gonna crack them bones. Leave all my trash under my seat. Why isn't Why isn't Diva overpowered? <laughs> why isn't Roadhog overpowered? I should be able to hook people from around the corner. Mm-hmm. Why are you changing my game? Good night, sweet prince. Troll of the week. 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 They're still supporting this game. I thought everybody left. Everybody plays Apex now. Why do they still care? Cash grab. So today's trolls are coming sideways at Blizzard for trying to put some new life, some new spark into Overwatch, taking care of their baby, servicing their community. Here's what they have to say. What Blizzard really needs to do is make Warcraft 4 already. (laughs) Nobody plays Overwatch anymore. Dead game. I have spoken. Dead on arrival. I have spoken. The dead game with an esports league and an arena. (laughs) I have spoken, uh, was it referencing the dude from The Mandalorian? Yes. (laughs) So saith the Lord. (laughs) So because Blizzard doesn't know how to balance their game, they're just going to remove things. Lol. Lol. So now they're cutting out content, I guess? Oh, we're we're getting to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally removing content. I'm convinced Blizzard is being run by someone with dementia. <laughs> now keep in mind, the hero pools are only in the competitive mode. Mm-hmm. And they aren't removing content. It's not like Sombra is going to get deleted from the game. <laughs> it's just going to be a week when you can't play as her. 
or one of your other mains that's causing you to just insta lock a character as soon as you get in the lobby or to quit as soon as a match starts because somebody picked tracer first well and also too it's like if anything maybe it's towards the benefit of maybe your favorite character because now it's not a how can we nerf this character so people will play with this character less it's we can actually keep this character strong but then take them out of the pool every now and then exactly or take their counter out so that they shine more mm-hmm. mm. Mm, think about that <laughs> motherfuckers yeah take that with your dimension <laughs> Uh, Last Troll says, this game has been completely and utterly destroyed by the development team. Given how good the game originally was, this is a real shame. Damn, they George Lucas in this game. Uh, I, I, it seems like almost yesterday when people were complaining about how not fun Overwatch was when it came out. Uh, there wasn't enough in the game. Yeah, D- doesn't have enough content. <laughs> not enough characters. It should have been free to play. <laughs> now with what 10 characters added to the game tons of maps added tons of game modes added with continued support and a tender loving touch from blizzard throughout its entire lifetime oh nah, it's destroyed <laughs> setting up for the sequel yeah, yeah. It's like where where was your your high point where was the game perfect where was exactly. that sweet spot yeah, it was perfect when it was on paper <laughs> and it was an idea before before they changed the uh the tracer what was it the um the, the pose the butt, the butt pose. <laughs> the game was perfect up until that point <laughs> yeah once they started the censorship <laughs> the overwatch porn is better than the game yeah <laughs> Oh, mercy. I don't know what to say to these guys, man. It's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either they don't, they're not, they're not buffing and nerfing the right stuff. They're not providing enough support. Okay, we're going to provide some more support. We're also going to introduce Hero Pools. You're doing too much. You're killing the game. It's not the same. (laughs) It's like, make up your mind. Or just stop playing the game. Like, why do we have to keep having this rigmarole about, you know, no, it, it was perfect back then. Oh, it was perfect two patches ago. Uh, another another hot fix and it'll be perfect. <laughs> like, damn, the thousands of games, this is the one that you want to sprinkle all your salt on. Get up on my face. <laughs> down there putting it together <laughs> troll of the week 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 why don't they fix this uh, why they don't update enough why are they updating so much uh, uh, just go to ptr uh, <laughs> Um, since we have a little extra time, I, I got a I got a question that we could let me we can ask do. you a question. Are there any games that you're really bad at? It's a good question. <laughs> that you're really bad at. Well, I mean, Street Fighter. Yeah, I, I, I can't <laughs> I can't acclimate myself to that combat system. My reflexes suck. <laughs> Injustice yeah. <laughs> all day long. I could probably even get with Mortal Kombat, but Street Fighter in that system, it's not happening. Yeah, anything like that, um, I'll throw in also uh, Marvel versus Capcom, where it's 
about getting the 100 hit combo. No, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> like anything along those lines, it's just like, oh man, like it's 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 a little too much for me. I'm I like a good I like a good timing where it's like, all right, I'm a I'm a hit them at this point, or I'm a get I'm gonna get a high low on them. But once you start rhythm, thinking, yeah, I'm all about rhythm. But once you get into get off this punch and then you get a, a 20 hit punch from there it's like yeah i'm good and you don't want to wait a frame too late or else it won't land <laughs> yeah um yeah just any of those games like the moment i get like i start feeling good about myself because i beat up on the computer and then i get online and then people start serving me yeah that's a problem <laughs> <laughs> i mean we were serving fools quite effectively when we got online with injustice too yeah um i would say Another game that I would say I'm bad at, and it's maybe because of the mode, or I guess the way that I play it, and that would be the Call of Duties of the world. I've hopped on those games online. One, I'm not, I don't get down with the mouse and keyboard. Oh. And then two, it's, I'm not just headshotting dudes like as I'm turning around a corner. No scoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've never really been great at those Twitch shooters. If anything, that's why I enjoy like an Overwatch, because it's more about um, the character's strengths and playing to those strengths as opposed to just getting off the quickest shot at the right point clicking on that die yeah uh another it's a whole class of games that i'm not good at but just sports games in general i i love and respect the science and the art of sports but i've never been into them so i don't know enough about sports in general to then be handed a virtual simulator and knowing what the hell i'm doing like i don't I don't understand. Like, I don't know how to read a defense. <laughs> the only one I, I don't. I don't know when when the right time is to cross somebody. Oh, I don't know what a. I don't know how to do the pick and roll. I don't. I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> this might fall into the fighter category, but I feel like he might be decent at a good boxing game if they were to if they were to throw bring back a fight night. Oh, fight night! We had we were getting in it. <laughs> yeah. I was running with Jermaine Taylor, but the, <laughs> it would just always get gassed yeah. at the end of the fight. <laughs> then knees would come back and just beating my ass yeah, work the, the endless haymaker i never forget playing doom gaze when he had a lamada and he was just working the body the entire match and i was just that body hook yeah i was just up on points and next thing you know it's like i'm not getting any stamina back what's going on yeah <laughs> like my health is not building back up anymore just hitting you with those train cars yeah. and then he calls forearms <laughs> and just throwing nothing but body shots so you have to guard low it is just like any one of them would destroy your character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely um, reflect what you're saying. Um, I've never been great at like say like uh, any of like the NBA simulation games. Like I, I I try to get like into an NBA. I think was it live back in the day, and I really wanted to get into it, and it just for some reason just was not registering i haven't played a 2k i hear those games of the shit but it just that that taste and then just also the overall i guess um feel for those games i just i don't really get into those style of games i used to really enjoy madden though back in the day with basketball it's more for me of just the ball is always in motion and like plays are developing dynamically based on how people are moving, who's open, like who's who's rolling. Is I I just don't have the sense for it. I'm sure if I put in the time and I actually studied the sport that I could get it, but I have no desire to do so. Yeah, with um one that I did enjoy was I always loved like the hockey games, but that's going back to like 
the SNES and like the Genesis, like those NHL games were just a shit, and you'd always play them just for the fights. But yeah, like getting those, figuring out one times and things along those lines um, were fun. I'd always get like offsides. Another game that I'm terrible at would be FIFA. I tried to get into FIFA. I was just about to say, don't even talk about FIFA <laughs> like, <laughs> because like offsides constantly. Oh my god! <laughs> and again, it's another one of those games where the ball is always in motion. It's always a valid target. There's a lot of just volleying back and forth with the ball. One sports game I am good at, or at least could be good or probably am really good at, but tennis. Mm. I can play some virtual tennis. The rules are simple. It's just you and the other person. You're hitting the ball back and forth. It, it's kind of, Once you know the lines on the court, you basically know the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> and that weird-ass scoring system. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, along those lines, but I feel like everything else I'm I'm pretty decent at, or I, I can at least sit down and and want to learn how to play. But like a lot of those games, especially sports games, like if I'm not into that sport, I'm not going to put in the time. And then when it comes to fighters and twitch shooters, it's I don't have the time to get good at those games. Yeah. Like I feel like Overwatch. Um, I like to think of it as a thinking man's game because it's not just I'm going to go out there and just get the most kills as possible. It's how can I benefit my team and what adjustments can I make on the fly? And I feel like if you understand the your role within that game, you can be very effective. And so, yeah, those games, I feel like they're more of a thinking man's game. And so I enjoy like Overwatch, even like an Apex style of game. But then once you select those hero shooters, but once you get into like that Twitch shooting twitch shooting realm i'm like i'm done <laughs> and the the bulk of my like effective foundation of gaming like back when i used to when i was learning to understand them instead of just playing them is a lot of rpgs so i'm all about preparedness foresight that kind of stuff going into a situation and having the faculties that you need in order to deal with it in the most efficient manner uh i also and my youngest interest in games is probably roguelikes. And that's another thing that's knowledge-based where it's, okay, I fought this enemy. It killed me this way. Now I can come back. I know how to do that. Got past him. New thing. And you're, it's not just skills, but it's also your understanding of the game itself and the content contained within so that despite being randomized despite the levels being procedurally generated as long as you understand what you're doing what you're seeing and you you have prior experience to draw upon you can be successful yeah i would like i would throw in and maybe th those other games that i would say that we're better at have these issues and i'm overlooking it but when i think of like those twitch shooters and especially like those online fighters it seems like a lot of it is exploiting the flaws within the within the game mm -hmm. and so like yeah you think about like call of duty or whatever it's like i know all the spawn points <laughs> or it's like i'm a camp right here and i know that like nobody can see me and so and, or like you just know the tendencies of like i'm gonna get in this spot which is gonna give me the most effective shot on dudes as they come around this corner so it's like it's a lot of exploitation of like i guess uh the the layouts of the maps and the the flaws within the the design of the game and exploit and like yeah just having a, sh a shotgun that has unlimited range like taking advantage of those certain things um and that yeah that comes down to like fighter games it's like 
understanding the frame rates and then how to take advantage of those frame rates with certain characters so there's a lot a lot of like understanding what's going on under the hood as opposed to just like getting a feel for like i guess um how the game is intended to be played mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um yeah. so yeah i mean we're not good at everything we're not great at most things <laughs> but we know what we like and we excel and we know what we love so, A-Dub, you want to end with that, or you got anything else before we close out? A couple of quick hits. I mean, uh, the the final DLC character for the first wave of Smash Ultimate was revealed this week. It's mm-hmm. Byleth from Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. A lot of people weren't too happy about that because mm-hmm. apparently the game has plenty of Fire Emblem representation. By having one, that's yeah. plenty. <laughs> <laughs> one is plenty. <laughs> As Fire Emblem representation already, and they also say that Byleth isn't consistent with the kind of characters they've already introduced, which are from major third-party titles, and really shake up the the Smash (laughs) roster. (laughs) People don't like shaking. Yeah, they want the Grinch. Yeah. (laughs) They want Cuphead. They want Master Chief. Uh, Let me see now. The NXL acquisition by Microsoft is starting to pay off a little bit because mm-hmm. they recently just announced the Wasteland Remastered is coming to Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. If you were a fan of Wasteland, Wasteland 2, or anticipating the upcoming Wasteland 3, you might be interested in getting the remaster of the original. So, Did you play both? You played one of them? I just played two. And what did you think? Uh, it's, it's once at first I was like, what is this shit? Why is this happening? <laughs> this is kind of is kind of isn't working. And then just as I played and put a few more hours in, eventually it just clicked and I was like, "Oh, I'm not playing it right." And then I went restarted and played the game the way it was supposed to be played. I was like, "This is genius. <laughs> this is pure genius." Then eventually I reached a point where I was fighting a a level full of robots and they destroyed my entire team. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> haven't played it since then. <laughs> I need to get back into that, but, but yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, well, there is no hopefully they own In Exile now, so I doubt we're going to be getting the Wasteland remaster on PlayStation. But you're working on your power PC, so yeah, hopefully I get this raise at work, <laughs> get a little retro, <laughs> get, get that water cooling system. So they got they got that going. So check that out. Uh, in some real world news, uh, Atari, according to IGN, Atari, the video game brand currently amid a comeback, has announced its latest venture, Hotels. Mm. The video game company announced that it will begin development on a line of Atari themed hotels with the first one to start construction later this year. So the plan is to combine a hotel with video game experiences. Atari is promising a unique lodging experience combining the iconic brand with a one of a kind video game themed destination. Yeah, so you'll be playing like Space Invaders in your hotel? With the Pac Man carpet so, following the pellets. Yeah. <laughs> this is very interesting because we, we are reaching the point where that that original gaming audience, the the people who like not only grew up gaming but grew up with gaming alongside them us basically i mean i was i've been playing games since i was three we had the nes i'm sure we had an atari in the house but i was too young to really comprehend what was going on so it's very interesting to now see that 
the world and like more things that appeal to adults are beginning to play into the gaming aspect because that that's a huge market and we show up we spend our dollars on gaming related stuff so why not have businesses themed toward those interests and we already see that universal studios has the super mario world i'm just backflipping in my head thinking about that like oh shit i'm gonna be in mushroom kingdom (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that you're gonna live in it like it it seems like it's almost leaning into like larping in a way just because uh, i believe uh disney they're gonna have a whole star wars experience where you actually pay and you you stay there i believe like over like a weekend or so Mm -hmm. and it's you have to be in costume the entire time you take part in your own star wars story yeah and they said i think like kylo ren or like kylo ren or vader might show up every now and then things along those lines <laughs> fucking with you yeah <laughs> and so like it's like literally like when you walk in there it's almost like you're cut off from the world and that's what you're experiencing and so yeah with that like the atari hotel it's like you're living within this experience so yeah, I, it's it's really cool to see that they're taking it to that next level, and it's not just like a, I'm gonna just show up, take a take a couple pictures, and walk away. It's like no, I, I'm I'm gonna be in it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be fully immersed within this lifestyle. It would be kind of cool if these ever get international locations. It's like not only am I taking a trip to a foreign land, but I'm also staying in a video game themed hotel. I mean, if there was say an ecosystem or a developer or just a video game world that you would want to say live in for a weekend is there anything that would come to mind for you mm. <laughs> you got a cosplay I, you got to be all, all up in it i mean absolutely mass effect oh, yes would you want to be in the citadel or would you want to be on like the ship why not both yeah <laughs> <laughs> getting greedy with it. getting your relationships going get the relationship and take part in the story start romancing <laughs> no, i'm sure they won't have it <laughs> oh man but in more gaming related news metro exodus final expansion has gotten a release date it's going to be coming february 11th on all platforms including stadia mm, right. <laughs> so if you're really in the metro you need some more content the last little bit's coming your way. How'd you feel about Metro when you played it? It's a fantastic game, especially once I got the the emotional motivation to continue pushing through the story. You know, originally, when I was playing, it was like, okay, this is cool. Controls are a little awkward. I do like how all the, the user information is integrated into, like, your equipment and the visual. Basically, there's no HUD at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a watch you have little meters and things you have your gas mask but um yeah there's no hud you're in it and it's real and it's the the it's like hub design like each level is just a big open space and oh man it's great (laughs) it's a great game it was awesome so i'm hoping that we get we get another metro somewhere down the line but in the meantime we've got these expansions so if metro is your jam jam on that continued support jam on it <laughs> jam on it say so any final words they dub or just tell people to go out and buy metro exodus mm. <laughs> <laughs> well man you know it's it's, it's a good time we in 2020 we're getting underway we're approaching 
the first major releases so we got some stuff to look forward to we're getting closer to those new consoles so stay on the edge of your seats keep your breath baited we're going along so this is control issues i am amc this is a we are control issues thanks for playing Suckers. Suckers. Control 